episode 121 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about what we played in August. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about what and where we played games, what we're getting rid of, what we want to play again, and our game of the month. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about what we played in August 2023. August? August. Isn't it in the past? It's a little confusing because we are not recording this. It's, it's didn't September. We already, didn't we already do this There's in August? fall festivals going on and everything. I thought we did a game review in August. We did Gen Con as its own little, like... Oh, so this is like a bonus. And uh, something about that Gen Con episode, not released yet. Oh. Yeah. So because I was waiting, I thought we might do more Gen Con episodes. We did not. More like post-review, whatever, whatever episodes. We did not. So that one's just kind of been sitting on the hard drive. But right. what we have coming up is going to be this, a lot of board game reviews, maybe like the two-player games, maybe coffee shop games, all the stuff that we've been kind of playing through nice. recently. We'll have a bunch where we talk about those. You don't know that I think we should do a few of them back-to-back. -back. Oh, today? Well, we'll find out. But first... This is our month in review for August, but we are not picking up until after Gen Con. So going from the 8th of August, because we kind of played things sort of into Monday. We were still on PTO. So picking up on the 8th, which was a Tuesday, all the way through the 31st, this is what we played. We, I had 49 plays on 43 games. Ooh, you played a lot of solo games. I, I had did. 17 games. Uh, but they were all... I think almost all of yours were new. Most of mine were new as well. But yeah, there was one week where on the weeknights, I was just trying to... I don't usually play a game solo for the first time. Usually we play it, and then if there's a solo version, because you have to learn both sets of rules. Yeah, and it's just harder. But I've been trying to just be better, kind of learn enough rules that hopefully if I just keep brute forcing it, it starts to get easier to take in the rules the of rules. a game. So it's almost like immersion. You know, when people go to different countries to try to learn a language fast, it's almost like I'm trying to learn the language of reading a bunch of rule books. And if I just stay in there, maybe it'll start coming in faster. Yeah. I've always wanted to do that, by the way, but I never get past the logistics was stage. Was that a pun? No. Oh, that was uh, something I can't tell. I didn't no, know. If, I, like, just, I, just, I was just making fun of myself for never getting past the planning of going to another country for six months. Oh, yeah. I think it sounds, I don't know. I just already know this language. Anyways. If I had, had said linguistic stage, that would have been, that's but it wouldn't I, have been a good pun. It would have been a well, bad Well, I one. still thought that's what was happening. So, yeah, I did play more games than you, and I played on um, BGA as well. Oh, right. And none of these... Uh, for me, none of my 17 plays. My my H index is one. I played nothing twice. And yeah, all of mine is live. Yeah. So these are the games that you played, but especially the ones yeah. that my I 17 played. will be included in Kelly's list. Yeah. So my 17 will be included in Kelly's list. So the games are this time they're in alphabetical order. I don't know why I wasn't always doing that. That's pretty smart. Yeah. So three second try the adventures of Robin Hood, Athenaeum Mystic Library. Beacon Patrol, Beer and Bread, Coffee Traders, Darwin's Journey, Collector's Edition, Deep Dive, Dive, Encyclopedia, Fay, Fiction, Finished, Fit to Print, Fleet the Dice Game, Forbidden Island, Fruit Picking, Gang of Dice, Gizmos, Nomopolis, Good Omens, An Ineffable Game, High Score, Ice Cool, Ink and Gold, Long Shot the Dice Game, Lord of the Rings, Adventure to Mount Doom, Lucky Numbers, Luna Capital, Minute Work, Mission Control, Critical Orbit, Momiji, 
My City Roll and Build, Number Drop, Paris, La Cité de la Lumière, Point City, Roller Coaster Rush, Rolling Ranch, Splendor, Tokyo Metro, Velomino, Waffle Time, Watch, and Winter. What was played the most technically was Momiji, which this kind of kicked off a meta conversation that I had with Adam about when you only have a few games and you would, I think inherently I thought it would be the opposite. When you only have a few games, I think it matters less how good those games are because it can just be a game in a certain style. It's the one you have. You're not comparing it to any as many other things. It is fine enough. When you start to have a lot of games, I think that maybe it's actually more difficult to justify keeping games that are only okay because you have so many better examples of exactly that. Well, I think that's specifically different for us because we endeavor to play all of the games we own every year. If you just didn't care, all you need is a shelf. Sure, but also as we kept talking about it, Adam and I kept talking about it, we liken this to, uh, he said that wine collectors usually don't have a box of Franzia. I mean, that's accurate. So meaning that like, if you have a few bottles of wine around, you pro- maybe you don't care really what they are. Once you start having a wine collection, it's like, oh no, I can't just have boxes in the corner too. Or it's far less likely anyway. So any, anywho, it was Momiji. I kept playing it because I, I ended up looking on Board Game Geek because I was doing a solo. It said it was a medium level difficulty. And I was like, is this even possible? Like it didn't even feel possible. And I go on there, there's forum posts that say the exact same thing. And then like right. a little bit of a discussion about it. And it was just the way the card math kind of works out. And I think that it's a perfectly fine game. And I think that's going to be true of the coal pile, which we're kind of going to talk about in a minute. It's a perfectly fine game. But with the number of games that we have in our collection, perfectly fine has to be pretty endearing, have some kind of something. If it's an only okay or perfectly fine game, a pretty good game, it has to have some kind of hook that makes me want to keep it. Otherwise, it gets just overshadowed by what's in the next room. Right, right. Yeah. Momiji was played the most. Uh, what are your what is your played the most? I played Velomino twice. I played nothing else twice. Oh, okay. So Velomino. Yeah. Is what it is. Which I don't even remember. You have to tell me about it. Oh, that's the one where the animals are on the cards. They're bike racing. We played once oh, with Adam. Oh, you know what? That was pretty fun. We played. You didn't like the first time. Well. You liked it more, th- more higher player count? I think a higher player count was better. Yeah. The scoring is fine, but kind oh, of weird. Oh, I remember the scoring was really dumb. You know what? I'm... I am remembering it. You're right. The scoring's a little weird. It's a little better at the higher play counts, but it's also, it's kind of one of those where you feel like you could be winning a lot and still lose. Yeah. And there's something that doesn't always feel great about that. So what games were added to the collection? I did a great job by not adding too many more games of the collection. Deep Dive, Fit to Print, and Point City were all kind of pushed into the same Kickstarter. They were two different Kickstarters. They all came in one box. They're all from AG. And flat out, maybe eh, I don't know. If they're all from flat out. I'm not sure. And then I also got two at half price books: Pina Pirata and Watch. They're both I played them both. They're not in the coal pile. The we have not sold anything yet, but the coal pile is currently about thirty ish games. Nothing officially purged, and we've thought about things like. Maybe we could just take them to the coffee shop and leave them there for people or kind of give them away that way instead of selling them. I think the effort of selling them, it's definitely worth it, but I also don't know that I want to bother. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we pay it forward a little bit. Yeah. We'll see what actually happens to uh, what those games. 
where and who do we play games with now post Gen Con? We're kind of just back into our normal routines, mostly play games with one another. We did play some stuff with Adam, played some things on Board Game Arena with other people um, and at our usual places at the coffee house at home. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, it's back you've to the regular. You've to this game of the month. You've listened to all the games of the month in terms of who we played and where we played. Yeah, I mean, we had been even before Gen Con, but I guess we kind of included Chicago, I think. Yeah, in we, that didn't, Gen we, did, Con we did not go to Chicago. One. So, yeah, every once in a while we are actually going new, different places, new, different coffee shops. But we were very much back into the regular routine. Yeah. So that said, summary done, recap done. Aaron, what game would you like to get back to the table? Now, this is a tricky one because okay. I had a lot of fun playing the game. You've already gotten rid of it. Oh, Back to the table, we played a very fun dexterity game that Kelly abhorred from the second she took it out of the box. And Ice Cool is a game that I would like to get oh. back to the table, but it doesn't exist in my life. You're so right. it's going to be a little bit tough. That should actually be, I didn't write down that play of Ice Cool because I didn't play it when we, we actually gave it away to friends of ours. We oh, went yeah. to their house after work one day and uh, played it. Aaron played it with them and their family played Ice Cool. And I just... They act like the little penguins are going to be flying all. It's like going to just be maybe I'm bad at flicking penguins inherently. But I was like, I can't invest the time to get good at this game. And say, when you're not good, it is zero fun. We played it with our friends, which oh, included went, adults and then kids. Yes. And, they're like seven, eight, nine, ten, that kind of range. And they the, the kids were not good at flicking the penguins. They, they had, were better than I was, I think. They did have fun. Yeah. And there were like moments of hilarity where like there was a really unlikely penguin hit. And it was like, oh, yeah. he got the penguin through the one two of doors. them. It was brothers that were playing and it was like the penguin was across the whole penguin arena. It's meant to be a school, I think, across the whole school building. And he just like kind of plotted backwards to see like what exactly would he have to do to hit his brother's penguin and then flicked it and perfectly did it. And I was like, that seems like a sibling rivalry superpower. Like It was, I mean, very fun. And I would love to bring it back to the table. I think we gave it to them so I can just go visit them. Yeah, that's true. And I guess that should have been in the collection. That one's already gone. I was like, oh, you know what? Who's going to love this? Not us. That's who's going to love it. So yeah, you're right. Back to the table. I can't help you there. Now my back to the table... I had two. One is Tokyo Metro. I played it solo. It was interesting. You are kind of you're you're sort of riding the Tokyo Metro, but also you're buying it and also you're getting stocks in it, sort of. It's an interesting game. It comes in a very small box, but it takes up like your whole table because once we took it to a coffee house once and opened it up, and we're like, oh no, we're not playing this. Once you take uh it's a it's a cloth mat, right? So it can fold down really small. But once you unfurl it, it's bigger than as big as a large board game. I think it maybe is safe to say bigger than most board game boards. Right. There's even a little sideboard for your other train activities. You have to put out these cars and everything. But it was an interesting action selection. The actions are on cards. Cool game. But I think it'd be interesting to play with other people. I still liked it solo. And that was kind of a learning and solo game. And then Mission Control Critical Orbit is like a roll and write Captain Sonar-esque sort of vibe. You're all working together to do a thing, but you all have different objectives. You're not across the table from another competing team, though. It's just it's just you, uh, just your team trying to successfully do this mission control. And I want to play it again because I think that it 
it would be better to truly have four people so everyone has a different right. ability there's kind of shared you sort of have one person who's doing this polyomino puzzle and three people who are doing roll and write kind of sheets and they're all different and uh you can share the load it can go down to a two-player game in which case i think one person is doing all the all the polyominoes well one person's doing the polyominoes oh, and I mean. one yeah, person's yeah. doing all, the, the all three roll and write sheets so i think that it is uh a good game but i feel like we didn't quite get into it we failed on time we failed on time and yeah it was fun and we almost got there and i, I think it's a game that if you i, I think in a co-op game i kind of like that you don't win the first time because if mm -hmm. you win the first time in a co-op game probably the game is just too easy yeah and there is more in there too well we have like an expansion kind of content and sheets for it that make it a little different so interested to dig into that one a little more i feel like again it was more of just a preview play than really feeling like we knew what we were doing and were executing it well right. yeah i agree with that so let's go back to the table now for collection like i said i'm already putting a lot of things in that pile in those 30-ish games that i mentioned some of them are i winter i don't know that i really put it over there yet momiji Rolling Ranch is on the edge. Uh, was that? I think that was this week. You'll you will know by having heard all the games listed out. Lord of the Rings, Mount Doom. I think we already put that one in the coal pile. Dead Man's Doubloons doesn't seem like it's gonna be staying. And Roller Coaster Rush, no Garden Nation. It's looking iffy, but we might have played Garden Nation in September. I'm not yeah, sure. maybe so. I mean, I like to have unique collections, but you just said all the games that are oh. leaving our collection. Yeah, there's just a lot right now. So, but I, I feel like if I wanted to highlight one that just mm -hmm. wasn't very good, but had the potential to be good, Roller Coaster Rush had yeah. really cool components. And it the just, there wasn't the enough in it. The components was cool. Yeah. The actual ones felt like they were made as cheap as possible. I think if for Roller Coaster Rush, you have these like pieces of a roller coaster that you can like run a marble down. So it's like a marble track roller coaster. If they had done a, I'm going to say Kickstarter, but that's just shorthand for questionably premium edition, where it was like wooden, nice pieces, like the little cars, those train cars that mm -hmm. kids play with that run on those tracks and kind of like puzzle together. If it had been something like that, that was roller coaster rush and had multiple, like a few different games that went with it. So you have a few different games you can play with these nice premium wood pieces and it's also kind of just a toy and it's probably like hopefully not a hundred dollars maybe eighty dollars that i could get behind as it is it feels like it was too expensive to produce so they made it as cheap as possible and that made the whole experience right and worse I think as well the i didn't think that they worked out the physics well enough yeah so they had different rated sections of the track five flags if it was a high thing four if it was less three and then two and you basically the marble basically wouldn't go over a five and after having gone over anything and i, I don't even think we'd go a five later on in your track it honestly say. you couldn't have a five later in your track you couldn't really and that's like a roller coaster but you couldn't really have a five anywhere but first in your track and get it to go over yeah and i think that's like I, I would have wanted the physics to allow more optionality but there's really just like one way to set up any given track and then at the end, like we were playing two players, maybe it's better with with four, more people, with four four players where there's less yeah. track sections. But at the end, they were just 
sections of the track we were never going to be able to get it to because we each had too many of the high valued ones and then just the the, the marble just right, went right right and i think that's that's yeah, the, the physics could have worked better when you know those marble type tracks that are more like based on columns and you kind of stack them all up yeah. and you can start something really high at the top and then it swirls around and drops and goes down i think that you would almost want a sense of height to be able to do the kind of things in this yeah. one like you'd want it to be taller but then also looking at the box and the game, I don't know how you'd accomplish well, that. They could have put like a marble chute in there where you could drop the marble through a chute onto the track or something like that. So you could get more height from the initial drop. Yeah. Or maybe if there were more just like banking turns yeah. instead of like straight up and over kind of yeah. humps, like maybe if it was kind of cascading down, almost feeling more ski slopey than roller coaster. Yeah, I think cool idea Mm, on the implementation yeah it just it didn't really it didn't really work and i got it on clearance somewhere and i looked at it and i was like okay if this is on clearance i think that means that it didn't go over well i i think that's accurate yeah so finishing up what is your game of the month i'm gonna go with the adventures of robin hood and let me tell you why i don't think so the adventures of robin hood is like the story time game you're you're it's kind of a role-playing thing you're playing a character a there's a book that comes with it, which they're very clear. Like, it looks like a book. It and, looks and really like... You, you would yeah. buy it at Half Price Books and think you were getting a story. And, and what you're confused. getting is a game guide. Be very confused. So it's good yeah. there's a big disclaimer. And the reason it's my game of the month is because it's adorable. And it's not like... You mentioned that we played Lord of the Rings, The Adventures of Mount Doom, which is yes. another kind of IP game. And it was basically like, hey, we bought the IP... Here's a game that's like just it okay. Have been anything. But I thought that the Robin Hood thing had had a lot of cool mechanics in it. Like mm -hmm. there's a map that basically dynamically changes by you flipping over like these little cardboard yeah, like, things. Yeah. It probably doesn't have a ton of replayability because the map's probably going to get kind of grumpy pretty soon. Yeah, and if you've already gone through the story. But it was fun and engaging. We're not even close to all the way through it. No. And I, I think it's it's interesting and probably not kind of in the mainstream of games that people might talk about. And I think people people should. I think that's a fair point. And it's more it's more of a game than the what are they called? Robinsberger is doing um some of these storybook games that are Lord of the Rings. We Princess have Bride. the Princess Bride one and have played it, talked about it before. And in that one, you have this like big it's like a book but not really it would remind you more of a book that you give like um toddlers where it's like really right. thick cardboard pages that you can flip it's like that so you open up the book that is your board for a given session and you play through a few different sessions to get through the whole story the adventures of robin hood game feels like it goes beyond that the way that they the board works, there's this thing about being in light and shadow and kind of whether you can be seen or not seen. There's it has even like some measurement gentle... sticks for how far you can move. So it's like it, it has the it has some elements of a bigger tabletop game without the, yes. the bigness of those games. A little bit of strategy, but it does it. It is still thoroughly cooperative and it's not I don't know how difficult it really gets. And I'm thinking, like, how difficult could it get? It's just a book. But, you know, I shouldn't limit them like that. There isn't even it's a little not bit a book. It's a little bit of combat as well. There's some combat, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I also agree. I'd heard about that game and just didn't want to pay for it. And now having played it, I think that the paying for it is probably, like, the price is probably reasonable for the amount of content, the amount of hours that you end up spending with it. And I think even for co-op games, 
this one felt more casual. It felt more like doing a puzzle with someone right. than it does like playing pandemic with someone. And I think that's nice because you can kind of jump in. If it was a very nice, relaxing weeknight vibe. Like yeah. it's definitely you could play it for a while. You don't feel as there's not a lot of setup. You could play it with with you could you play know, it kids with kids of a certain age. And I think you'd play it with kids that are pretty young if they're sort of into the story of it, because there's not you could help them with their turn. There's not that much to really right. do independently. There's not like and then they get to there's parts of it where you read whoever the active player is. Oh, yeah. You read to them and then you read to one another. So if you're trying to sneakily get your kids to read, then they're also practicing reading aloud to one another. And you're, you know, that's kind of adding to the fact that you are all telling the story together because right. everyone is meant to read different parts. But now I did hog the book. I prefer to be the one oh, that reads the stuff. Aaron will do a silly voice. I was only permitted to read when it specifically said, said that, yes, have someone read to you. Yeah, a little bit. Kelly. A little bit. A little bit. I do like being the narrator. But that said, I did still have to share the narration because that's in the book. So even if you have people like <laughs> me if. who want to just read the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that is a nice one to highlight for the reasons you said. Now, I was going straight up board games for the ones that I was going to highlight. I considered coffee traders and darwin's journey huh two big old euro games darwin's journey i've played it twice once with you once mm -hmm. solo and then i talked about it with adam we pulled it up on uh tabletop simulator and i was just telling him how the whole thing worked because i finally had it all in my brain at once and in talking about it with him i actually noticed new things now that i'm actually understanding the game i was noticing new things about how it was put together and the logic of how things were and why. And I was like, mm, you know what? Maybe I'm kind of coming around on this. Yeah, we played it wrong. So then my opinion, and I didn't play how it. How did we play you. it wrong? We did not give each other the the additional book points. Like oh, we basically right. everything pertaining yes. to researching the animals we did incorrectly. Yes, there's a section. If you're familiar with it, this will make more sense. But there's a section where you are researching animals. It's an action you can take. This is all uh, worker placement. So one of those actions is that you go to kind of turn in an animal that you've maybe captured on your adventures is what it sounds like. And you're meant to get money and these like and books, which are basically points at the end of the game. They're Mul not really they're, they're point multipliers. They're point multipliers. They're not really worth anything else while you play. They right. only have an in-game uh, kind of bonus. But we were not taking all of the money we should have taken every time we did that action. And it felt like I was be, poor the entire game, which is accurate. It, at most, I think the most you could get for that is like six. You'll probably get at least three. So every time you go to that action, you get at least three. You might get a little bit more than that. So that was just a lot of money that wasn't filtering in. And it's not a huge money game. Like you're only no, having but a I was few taking, coins at a time, probably. I was taking an action specifically to, to get, get money, money, but not yes. getting the benefit of the other thing when that's clearly what I should have been doing. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And I did when I, we had realized that. So when I played solo, even though I was playing then against the AI, I could still see the mechanisms working a little more in place. And sometimes with solo games like that, the way that they've engineered that AI bot player, they're kind of showing you how much you ought to score. And, right. you know, so like they're rating the difficulty so that if you get over that, you can kind of say, OK, I'm playing this at a beyond easy level, but not quite a medium level. 
or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it can be a good way to, um, even though I complained basically at the beginning of this about solo modes, it can be a good way to dig in a little deeper in a game and try to understand, okay, it thinks I can get this many points. How am I supposed to be doing that? Yeah. And I, I, I thought that it was a nice game. The rule book was atrocious and long. It was not written the way that either of us wanted it to be written. I think that's why that was a hurdle to understanding the game. And I think that it comes in a bigger box than it needs to. Yeah. It's got just a lot of, I think it came in a box that size because of how much cardboard is in it. But that means there's a lot of variability. It reminds yeah. you of other years. Now we've talked about it this much. It's not even actually my game of the month. What? Was, oh, your game of the month is Coffee Traders. No, those were both two asides. Well, I was, Coffee Traders was a almost like a cleaner, easier to get into. I'm surprised you like Coffee game. Traders because it has a mechanic you typically hate, which is that I can benefit from your actions. Yeah, I thought that the overall thing that was happening there was good. It's another one that I saw that um, Robin Hood was expensive. Coffee Traders Ooh. is expensive. We got it. And on sale at Gen Con. We got it on sale at Gen Con, but I looked at it for a while. Aaron likes coffee. It looks like a good game. It's Capstone Games, which has made a lot of Euro games that we've liked, those kind of heavier games that we've liked. So I think with that one, part of wanting to pick it was I was satisfied with the purchase. It's all premium components all the way through. It is really, it's like expertly executed, I think. Like, even if you don't think this is the best game, the rule book, the presentation of everything, the pieces, like it's just really well executed. But anyways, the game I'm actually picking is Faye. Oh, you know what? That's, that's the game I should have picked, but I wanted to pick the Robin Hood game. Yeah. And I, it was nice for you to, I wanted to know what you would pick first. I thought you might pick Faye, in which case I was really going to push hard towards one of the other ones. Faye was originally a game called Clans, which looks worse. We got Faye for almost no dollars. And it is a great little game. I yeah. don't know why I feel like for how long we've been playing board games and how much I've watched board games, I don't know why I haven't heard of it. It's another very easy to set up game. And what's interesting is you kind of have like a big map. It's got different little sections on it. You put one person, one dude on every one of the sections. And there's maybe like five or so different colors. On your turn, you just move guys from one section to another section. Yeah. And that's it. That's like really what you're doing. And how you're winning is that everyone has a secret color. There's about five colors. Everyone has a secret color that they want to get the most points. But we don't know yeah. which what's interesting color is anyone has. The colors score points, not the people. Yeah. So like, like, and you in general are going to be taking actions that are going to cause multiple colors to score points. Yeah. And then you just know which one is you, but nobody else does. Right. So you're trying to position your color because they've just been put out there randomly. You're trying to position your color so it can't get left out of scoring, but you can't force it really into scoring unless it's your turn. And then you're also sort of watching, well, what other colors are seeming to be scoring a lot? Like what other colors are they pushing up a lot? Is there a color that someone else is favoring clearly or not? What colors are getting left behind? Does that mean no one has this color? And then there's misdirection because you might like you, you might have your color, color that's trailing not on the end, right? Like yeah. you might want to be losing at the beginning. So people like are like, oh, no one cares about red. I'm just going to like benefit red in my color. And then boom, you win. Right, right. And every game is still going to be different. You're still going to get variability because of how the pieces get laid out. Yeah, and it's then what color you have, it's yeah. just randomly set out. Um, 
yeah, it was just a nice little, there's a little more to it than that, than what we're saying, but that's most of it. Everybody should play. It might be like if we did a game of the quarter, it might be my game of the quarter. It was really good. Quarter, but not year. Well, you know, it's a long year and I forget. Yeah, I kind of think that we should, and this is mostly on me, go back through, it doesn't have to be on me, anyone can do this, go back through, pick up all of our games of the month, and then oh, at the yeah. year, at the end of the year, do a game of the year based on all the games of the month. We definitely should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that'll be for, I mean, the, the end of the year is coming. It might be Faye. For your game of the, I mean, we'll can, see. Can Faye be my game of the year if it wasn't my game of the month? What? No. Shh. Now, I, I don't know that we'll separate yeah, You break it. the rules of Game of the Month all the time. You pick two. You talked about three today. Yeah, I do what I want. It's my <laughs> podcast. Um, so I think if it was in the pile for Game of the Month, maybe we wouldn't. Like, maybe I could pick one that you had as Game of the Month. You could pick one that oh, I had. I like this. I like maybe this. we'll get Adam and Jason on here as well for that. We'll see. You know, we still, it's coming. It's coming up. It'll so be, we, it'll so be we need a, to make a plan. It'll be a Saturnali miracle. Yeah, yeah, we need to make a plan, but that could be fun. Um, yeah, because so, now we're in September. Quite frankly, we're we're a week into September. Yeah, that will be coming in just a few short months. So I have an important question since we are into September. Yeah, it's 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 really important for me to know what you're looking forward to. It is embarrassing and ridiculous that I still have not played the deluxe castles of Mad King Ludwig. Oh, right. Still haven't played it. Got the uh, other deluxe castles played at uh, Castles of Burgundy. We got that played at Gen Con, which was excellent. It had just arrived. People wanted to play it. So I jumped on that. But especially that huge table that we were on, like you can't just tell people you're going to bring one game and then be like, I lied. I brought this other game because that's not that's not how friendship works. But on that huge table, it would have been big enough to play the colossal castles of Mad King. So I'm going to just have to keep saying that until this week i almost did i almost pulled it out and played it solo um but yeah i have to keep saying that until i actually get it done i'm gonna break the rules of the podcast you just got mad at me for breaking the rules i didn't get mad at you i just commented that you did it felt different than that all right well i'm gonna say what i'm looking forward to is in fact a video game i started playing starfield are you you're putting okay and i'm excited about, for it how about this Go ahead and say your video game. I didn't realize. I'm still saying board games, though. You are. I'm not that excited for Starfield. I don't uh, I don't like the space desolate isolation kind of vibes there. Well, you you know what? If you want me to say a board game, I'll say I you, do. You, we bought a game called Stardust Coffee, and I like coffee. That was a Kickstarter. I, I, I don't even know what it's it, about. And I it's a very pretty box. And I am looking forward to finding out okay. if it's good or bad or if it's just pretty. I feel like it is also just I mean, you didn't say cryo and that's right in front of you, too. So fair enough. I was going to say, like, are you just saying the game June that's right in front of you? Listen, don't it's fine. No, I don't want to show people behind the cover. It's fine. I'm excited to be Breath of the Wild. If we're going to talk about video oh. games now, but it's not, it's old game. I'm excited to beat it so that I can play Tears of the Kingdom. Now I could just play it anyway, but I've been trying to get that done. But then I got on Game Pass because everyone was talking about Starfield and I looked to see if I wanted to play it. I don't think that I do. And then I just started playing other things on Game Pass and then Steam had a sale. And this is why it's hard to get through your backlog. That's what the podcast and for gaming every month doing these game of the month. It does help to motivate to move through games, make sure we try things like all of these, all of these extra efforts support getting through the backlog of games that we have. But I'm not starting a video game podcast to get through that, too. 
Yeah, I think we can just focus on the board games. Honestly, I think if Stardust Coffee is good, I'm trying to legitimize my, it was just right in front of me, Uh but I do like coffee. Yeah. Um, If Stardust Coffee is good, that could be like a really cool synergetic name. I made up a word. Uh, Synergy is the word, but I wanted to say synergetic. I I don't think synergetic is an actual word. But anyway, a, a, a synergetic thing would be if we do retire into a board game cafe, calling it Stardust Coffee would be pretty cool. Okay. I, it's going to be harder because there's already a game called that. Well, we could, we could call them and maybe it, it wasn't a mass produced game. I mean, we have a shot. I think, I think they might we can they take might. them and you, there could be a drink that featured like, you know, some sparkly thing, you know, sometimes they do all galaxy things. themes. Is this still just, are we just wrapping back around to Starfield somehow? You know what? That's maybe? not what I was doing. Maybe though. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Well, you know, tune in next month to see if we've resolved this discussion. See if you beat Starfield. I will probably. Do. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode 121. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, X, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Please give that website a look. It's all new and finally matches our branding. Turns out Squarespace is as good as their commercials say. I think you can use a code from James Hoffman for a pretty good discount, which Aaron did not tell me until after I paid for it, and... Our name will get you nothing. Coming up, we have lots of reviews as well as a Ding and Dint episode, probably something about solo games on Board Game Arena, but up next will be a review of Make the Difference, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 120 more episodes headed your way, the next one being all about what we played at Gen Con. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Uh...